Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. We were talking on the office today about, you know, being, if you were diagnosed with cancer. I, I remember many years ago, by the way, I got a bit of a scare. Um, I had a really bad cough and I went to the doctor to do the x-rays. And he thought, because my iron levels were low, that I might have had a tumour. This was exactly what I was told. So I was sent out for a scan and MRI, the whole lot. Thankfully, came back. Everything came back fine. It was fine. Um, I just obviously had at the time, I think I had a dose of kind of pneumonia or something. I don't know what it was at the time. But anyway, it was such a worrying time just to be even told that. And I can only imagine what it would be like to sit in an oncologist's office and be told that you're in the final stages of cancer or you're, you have breast cancer or you have lung cancer or whatever it happens to be. It must be an awful thing. You imagine on top of that, you don't qualify for any financial assistance whatsoever because your husband earns too much, your wife earns too much or your family earns too much money and you're over the threshold for a medical card, for example. And almost 45,000 people in Ireland every year get cancer. It's a shocking amount of people. You wouldn't imagine it would be that high, wouldn't you? And there will be a diagnosis every three minutes and every hour a person will die from cancer. 80 people, 80 to 90 people die in this country every single day. Contrary to popular belief over the last two years, you wouldn't think that people die for other reasons, but they do. And the majority of those people die sadly from cancer or heart conditions. But there are now more and more people surviving the disease, thankfully, because our treatments have got better. And the HSE has spent over four million on debt collecting agencies since 2013, peaking in 2019 with an outlay of €687,000 they paid to debt collecting agencies. Those who do not have private health insurance or qualify for a medical card are charged inpatient fees. And according to the HSE, an invoice is sent out, a reminder will be sent in 30 days, after which a third-party referral uh, notice to a debt collection agency will be sent seven days later. So you don't get much time. And the charges are 100 quid for the emergency department attendance, 80 quid for an overnight stay. The latter charge, of course, is capped at 800 quid. It's still a lot of money in a 12-month period if you don't have it, is it? Particularly if you have cancer. If you've diagnosed with cancer, you might be out of work or you might suddenly be out of work or find yourself doing less work. Well, to talk a little bit more about it is Paul Gordon, who's Policy and Public Affairs Manager at the Irish Cancer Society. Good afternoon to you, Paul. Good afternoon, Niall. What a... I mean... I don't know how we discuss this without considering that there's absolutely no understanding or empathy whatsoever. Now, I understand the HSE, like everybody else, has to get money. And, and we need money for it to operate properly. I get that. But, but in saying that, to send debt collecting agencies to people or letters to people who are already, you know, down on their luck, things are difficult for them. It must be very difficult for patients. It is. And it's something we hear a lot about. And as you've touched on, it's, it's kind of a certain proportion of the population who, who are just out of the range of the, the means test for medical cards or who can't, uh, who simply can't afford private health insurance. And that leaves them quite financially vulnerable. And as you say, you know, hearing the words you have cancer can be really challenging. Uh, and there's a huge physical and psychological burden that goes along with a cancer diagnosis. But what people often don't think about is the financial impact, which is really huge. We've done uh, research a couple of years ago on the real cost of cancer, and that showed that on average, after getting a diagnosis, people uh, faced uh, new expenses of, of €750 Euro a month at a time when they face a loss in income of €1,500 Euro a month. So that's the kind 750 of... 750 a month? And, and I, yes. I, I'm not questioning that, but how, when you say 750 a month, is that broken down into medication, hospital visits, I suppose, you know, getting to and from the hospital, the costs of transport? Is that is that how that's broken down? Yeah, effectively. So, so new medical costs 
travel to and from the hospital, yeah. things like car parking charges. You might have one-off costs like a new wig, which can be very expensive, yeah. or you may have to make modifications to your home as a result of your diagnosis. You have higher yeah, something we don't think of, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like a wig can really cost seven, eight hundred euro for a wig for a woman or a man who, well, particularly women, I suppose, in that situation, who might lose their hair uh, and a wig would cost them seven or eight hundred quid. And, and the department, unless you're qualified for a medical card, you, do you get no assistance in that? No, so people with a medical card don't don't pay these charges, and and private health um, insurance uh, generally cover the inpatient charges. Um, but for those who have neither, uh, they do face an eighty euro charge per treatment session. So people mm. going through chemotherapy, radi- radiotherapy, are getting hit with this eighty euro charge uh, up to a max of eight hundred in a year, which we we see. It 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 see it's strike it's it's very striking in its um, I suppose uniqueness in that you rarely see this in a hospital system anywhere that people are faced with charges for basic cancer treatment. On a public system, char- yes, of course. But exactly. and, and by the way, to, to point out, the reason those charges were brought in many years ago was to discourage, I don't want to use the word time-wasting, right? But of course, people were going to hospital who didn't need to be in hospital, who could have gone to the local GP. And they brought in the hospital charge of 100 quid for the emergency department, for example, to try and reduce the amount of people that would go in for no particular reason where they'd rather go to the GP or should go to the GP. And I think that's why they brought in these charges, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I was actually I was get, kind of getting to that. So yeah. there's a 100-year charge for emergency departments, which um, regardless of, of whether you're, what your view on it is, the logic is clear in that it is meant to disincentivize people from coming to an emergency department if they don't really need it, if they have a small injury or, or, or something like that, that they can go somewhere else, maybe a minor injury clinic. Yeah. So that makes sense. However, if you're having chemotherapy or radiotherapy treatment, you're already in the hospital system. Uh, you're being processed for a very serious, you're being treated for a very serious disease and very few people really expect that they'll get hit with these charges. Some people find out on the day they register for treatment. Some people don't find out until afterwards. Some people are informed beforehand, but the system of informing people isn't, isn't especially clear either. So it comes as a real surprise to people. And having to pay €800, Euro, as most people who have cancer will, because of the number of treatment sessions they'll have, um, it, it can really drive people to, to the brink financially. Yeah. And it's hugely challenging. So, and, and the rationale for this charge, it's really revenue raising. And we, we certainly implore the HSC and the Department of Health to, to look elsewhere for this. And, and having to hit patients with debt, collect, with debt collection letters and calls as a result is... is it's it's really um, it's really. I mean, it's quite shocking when you when you look over the last two years at the at the money that's been spent here, there, and everywhere. I mean, only this morning I heard Stephen Donnelly was requesting ninety seven million, I think, to buy these new Pfizer tablets for COVID nineteen, and what we spent on HEPA filters and what we're spending on, you know, signs and things on the ground for social distancing and masks and all sorts of tests and antigen tests. I mean. In the big scheme of things, the money, and I don't know if you've calculated how much it would cost, how much do, do you think overall in a year this costs the state? Um, the inpatient charge costs the state um, around, thir- sorry, it, sorry, it raises uh, thir- around 30 million in revenue for the state. No, but um, I'm talking about specifically just for cancer patients. How much, how much uh, if for example, the state were to take over the burden of this cost for the cancer patients who don't have private health care, who don't have a medical card, is there a, a kind of estimate how much it would cost the state to do that? 
Unfortunately, the data by the department and the HC isn't collected in a way that we can break it down into, say, cancer patients, for example, or people with cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. We just see the bare 30 million figure, um, yeah. and that's in part due to problems in the HC in terms of duplication. Someone might be start the treatment to one hospital and move to another. So we don't have a we don't have a solid estimate of what that would be, um, but it's something that you know has been has been raised as something that the government needs to address. And but it's, it's not an awful lot when we look at what's going no, out in, at in the, the moment. <laughs> I mean, it's not an awful lot. It's not an awful lot of money when we think about it's life-saving and it's public health. And that's what, you know, that's supposed to be paramount at the moment, isn't it? Public health. So, I mean, and this is something, again, that can be life-saving, literally life-saving for people. Yeah, and I mean, in the wider context of the health service, it, as you say, look, 30 million is a lot of money, but in the wider context of the expenditure on health, year this is something that would really get back to patients yes. who are in a in a very challenging situation some people may say look this isn't this isn't the biggest challenge facing the health service now and whether you you think it is or not it's 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 a terrible thing to deal with for a cancer patient to be hit with this 800 euro when they're you know could possibly at a low point in their lives both um you know physically emotionally financially um and then on top of this 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 unfair practice of um, issuing debt collectors' letters and using private agencies to pursue I, patients. I can't imagine that. I mean, I can't imagine, say, a young woman, for example, with her husband sitting in an oncologist's office, just being told she has breast cancer, and then preparing herself then for the losses that she might have if she can't go to work, or, or maybe have to reduce the amount of errors that she does, that she has to go for a treatment, and on top of that, then somebody, somebody sending her bills. I, I just couldn't imagine that. You know what I mean? Well, that's it. Uh, and I mean, you know, we, we've heard from, from one person, um, a patient, uh, Sharon, who has spoken out in this a few weeks ago, um, that, you know, she's the first time she uttered the words, I have cancer, was to a debt collection agent because she was so shocked yeah. um, that, that she was getting this call. Um, she Out of sheer frustration, she said, you know, I have cancer. Well, why are you hassling me at this time? Why are you bothering yeah. with this? Why am I being targeted? And it's something that, it's not. Uh, it's not a singular experience. This has happened to to a number of, of patients, and it's it's something. It's practice that that we see as really punitive. It's it's. I mean, stuff from the dark ages, really. And, oh, it is. It is. You know, we've it been is. working to to. We want to to ensure that the HSC ends this practice, and that longer term, the government end the practice of levying inpatient charges on patients who are having basic cancer treatment. I mean, if there is somebody listening, for example, at the moment who's just started cancer treatment and they don't have a medical card or health insurance and they're listening to you now and they're listening to them, maybe they didn't even know this, I don't know, and they're worried, and what would you say to them? Well, I mean, look, we do have advice on our, our, our website for people in dealing with um, with debt collection agents if it does come to that. Obviously, we some hospitals do offer... Um, uh, in certain cases, the HSE can waive fees if people are facing what's called undue hardship. It's something that it's it's very it's a little is bit that vague. Difficult in, to in prove, it is it? Is it is it's it, something that the, yeah. it, it's kind of assessed really on a case by case basis. There's no clear guidelines as we can see it as as to how that is um, implemented. But we would certainly advise people to engage with the finance department in the hospital um, and. You know, look, it's we we, as I say, we don't think these these charges should exist. And so this whole process that you're talking about now shouldn't be necessary. But unfortunately, no, at the should, moment it, it is shouldn't. there. Yeah. However, we would encourage people to engage with the finance manager or the finance department in in, in their hospital who may be able to either um, look at um, whether they're they're 
that they will face undue hardship as a result of the charges or look at um, payment plans for this. And again, mm-hmm. as I say, this is something that is, is far from ideal and something yeah. that we want to see okay. the practice abolished. Um, and I, and I want to see it abolished too. And, offer. and I think everybody listening would like to see it abolished, I, I, particularly when we live the, the world that we're living in at the moment where public health is supposed to be paramount. And we've seen that over the last year and a half where we've been told that constantly all the time. So let's put our money where our mouth is. And as you mentioned already, you know, it's a few million. Absolutely. But look, for the money we've been spending recently, I don't think it'll go to a bad cause, particularly when you think about people who've been given such bad news. Uh, listen, thank you very much indeed, Paul Gordon. I appreciate you thank coming you up with that appreciate raising it. the issue. All right. Uh, there you go, Paul Gordon, Policy and Public Affairs Manager of the Irish Council Society. I'm quite shocked, actually, by this. I'm quite shocked that somebody would be in despair being given such bad news that you might have, I don't know, cancer, stage four cancer, whatever it happens to be. And then you'd be, you know, because you don't have a medical card and you don't qualify, uh, because you don't have private health insurance because you probably just don't earn enough money to pay for it, because that can be expensive nowadays, um, you basically have to pay to go to hospital. So you're, And then you'll get a debt collector's bill if you don't pay it. Let me go to John Wall, who's been on the show many times before. John has stage four prostate cancer. John, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon again. Good afternoon, Niall. And, and ha- happy new year to happy you. Happy new year to you. to you first, <laughs> to you and your <laughs> listeners. Uh, John, I mean, look, we've spoken to you many times in the past. You've been a great advocate and campaigner as well uh, to help other people who've been put in the position you've been put in uh, with stage four cancer. I'm quite shocked and taken back by this because I didn't realise people were getting debt collectors letters, um, you know, over, you know, this 800 euro that they could end up racking up throughout a year just to get treatment for their cancer. Yeah, I, I'm shocked, but not surprised. Uh, it reminds me of, of uh, going back to when I had my initial uh, treatment at a, a public hospital. Um, it's about money uh, because I have private health insurance and uh, the hospital that I attended knew that and they kept asking me to, to waive my rights as a public patient so they could uh, charge the uh, insurance company accordingly. And I said, no, I've paid my taxes for nearly 30 years. I said, yeah. I'm a, a public patient and now I want to remain a public patient. And I was questioned several times as to why I won't bother using my health insurance. I didn't need to. It, it's, it's about accounts at the end of the day for some hospitals, but it shouldn't be. It should be about provision of health. And when you see people uh, and read articles where people have debt collectors, debt collectors knocking on their door for but it's such a short period, by the way. three sums of money. But, but I'm looking at it here, John, right, to qualify, if you don't have a medical card or, 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 or anything, a char- uh, the patient is charged, according to the HSC after that, the invoice is sent out and a reminder is sent within 30 days, after which a third-party referral notice from a debt collecting agency will be sent seven days later. So, th- so 37 days after you've gone for your chemotherapy or your radiation treatment or whatever it is, you're sent this terrifying letter from a debt collecting agency saying, pay, or we're coming to take the goods away. <laughs> I mean, Yeah, it's, a, it's an absolutely damning indictment of how uh, the HSE treats some of its patients. Uh, it cannot be justified in any way, shape, or form, full stop. Um, you know, you've interview, interviewed me many times before about the, the medical card and how difficult it was to access that. Mm-hmm. And it took me, you a long time to it get it. It took yeah. me a day and an age and a lot of um, advocacy publicly and telling my own story publicly, publicly to get access to it. Now, fortunately, I have. And one of the reasons why it's hugely beneficial to me is not only the services that it provides, the, the money uh, that I've saved as a result, but when you're diagnosed with a terminal illness, as I have, I lose my credit rating. So I have no access to credit. So... You know, I've, I've, uh, we, have, we have three kids, uh, one in college and uh, mm-hmm. two more on the way. It's, it's very, very costly. And the plans that we would have put in place over the years to provide for our family, 
didn't materialise because I have no access. It's it's cash only. Uh, it's wages only. And yeah. that has that has you know thrown up a lot of difficulties for us. We're managing, and that's fine. We're very fortunate that we are managing, but just. Uh, and on top of that, if I had to pay for uh, my treatments, uh, whether that be, you know, for example, I, I get lymphedema treatment every week. I had been receiving that privately uh, up until about eight, nine months ago. Uh, and now there's a clinic nearby, a public clinic that I can attend. And that has saved me a significant amount of money. It all adds up, car parking charges, um, mm. you know, the, the, the cost, the financial... Well, the, 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 the Irish Cancer, cancer Society, reckon, they, they reckon the average cost uh, for somebody who's been diagnosed with cancer is 700 a month, um, including treatments, medication, car parking costs, transport. Easily, yeah. easily. Yeah. And, and they stand to lose, according to their calculations as well, possibly 1500 a month in salary or wages because, you know, you could be out of work, you could be have to do less hours because you're tired all the time, because you're getting treatments. So, I mean, because you can't be expected, the cost of a wig, for example, for maybe if a woman wants to replace her hair after getting chemotherapy, all these kind of things, and they don't qualify for anything. They qualify for nothing. It all adds up. And at a time when you need to be looking after yourself, uh, not just physically, but mentally as well, having to deal with the financial impact and perhaps uh, debt collection agencies chasing you as well, that does not uh, contribute towards the recovery process in any way, shape, nor form. But it's some, in, in, in many cases, it's something that simply cannot be avoided because the state supports are not in place because of the, the thresholds uh, are so low in terms of, for example, medical card provision. But we also must, I suppose, acknowledge that... Medical cards, although means-tested, there is a discretionary element to a, to a medical card as well. And that is something that uh, I'm working on in the background mm-hmm. to exercise that discretion appropriately, which I, I feel in recent years it certainly has not. It's about money. And in very, very rarely do you hear of people um, that received or that were granted uh, a medical card based on their discretionary status alone, where you know the, the HSE officials look at an individual their earning potential, and they might look at my earning potential and say, no, under no circumstances. But it's not about a number. It's about your family circumstances. It's about, in my case, my, my credit rating is junk status. So it's about how we, you know, how we plan, how we budget moving forward. There's so much more to be taken into, into account and should be factored into the equation that currently is not the case. It's I mean, what, was the, I mean what, is, what is the point of people paying PRSI and their taxes, which was originally, that's what the intention was about, mm-hmm. your pay-related social insurance. Uh, we probably should have never needed private health insurance in this country because we paid this PRSI. Though just the whole purpose of it was to cover things like this and these kind of doomsday scenarios where you ended up with a public health system. I mean, it's meant to be a public it's, health system. We all system. know, Niall, it's not. It's a revenue generator for the public coffers and it's as simple as that. The money that should... Uh, you know, you pay your PRSI and it should entitle you uh, to a significant amount of public services. It doesn't. Um, they're, they're means tested and it's, it's an absolute disgrace that uh, cancer patients still in this country are being dealt with as they are. Uh, although oncology services, I cannot complain about it. The, the services uh, themselves that are being provided are fantastic, but it's the cost associated with those services and indeed the diagnosis for many uh, is making life extraordinarily difficult at a time when you know we should be, we should be attempting to do uh, the exact opposite. I mean, I mean, look, if you look at the last year and a half or two years in this mm-hmm. country with COVID nineteen, you would imagine public health health is paramount because that's what we're kind of being led to believe, uh, and certainly the wastage of money over the last two years has been incredible. 
I mean, I can give you numerous examples of how we've wasted millions in this country. And we can all, we all can give our examples over the last two years. I don't know what it would cost. And the Irish Council Society suggested there somewhere in the region of 30 million for this £100, for example, emergency department attendance charge. That's not even withstanding the 80 overnight charge and the 800 that it's capped at over the 12-month period. But even if it was 30 or 40 million uh, a year, you know, to deal with can- or to pay for cancer patients who can't really afford to pay it. I mean, wh- why are we... It's, a, it's a drop in the ocean. It, shouldn't it, it is a drop argument. in the ocean. It's, it's part of, um, you know, it's successive governments in their respective programme for governments um, have said that they will do this. Uh, it's, it's, but what have they done? We have to fight for every single thing we get. We, you know, when you talk about... We talk about leading by example. And a recent uh, article exposed the, the car allowance that was being uh, claimed by the HSE chief executive, despite the fact that uh, he has a driver uh, take him to and fro. Uh, and despite the fact he's on 430 grand a year. And, you know, that adds insult, absolute insult to injury to people like myself and others. When we have to beg, absolutely beg, in my case, I wasn't dying quick enough to get uh, a medical card initially. Okay, thankfully I am now. That's a terrible thing to say, but that's the way it is. That's a, that's a horrendous um, thing to have to say, by the way. Well, that's, that's the way, unfortunately, uh, our system views some terminal patients in this country, and yet we have the chief executive uh, thinking it's okay to do. I mean, that, that, that's something that was going to be common knowledge at some point in time, but he did it anyway. Um, I mean, the HSA shouldn't be run like a bit. It's not, well, don't get me wrong. When I say it shouldn't be run like a business, of course it should be run like a business to some degree because yeah. it has, they have to logistically make you know, ends meet. But it shouldn't be run like a business with a lack of compassion. We, well, uh, plus prudent expenditure. Mm. And we don't see that in the HSC. It's, it's um, you know, the, the amount of money that has been pumped in to the HSC and providing public health in Ireland uh, in recent years is astronomical. But we're not solving the problem. The problem, in fact, is, is getting worse. We look at, if you look at trolley numbers now, I think last count, certainly over 320, 330 a few days ago, and uh, that's climbing. We don't hear about this anymore because it's all about, it's all about COVID. Fair enough, that has, um, you know, that has been significant in everyone's lives uh, over the last number of years. But we must not forget that there's, um, there's a lot of sick people out there. And, and the majority of people don't die of COVID-19. Let's be clear about that. And we seem Not to have forgotten that over the last two years. Uh, by the way, somebody mentions here, and this is kind of relevant, and I'm going to want to come to Maria before the break as well, but Niall, I'm a dentist. I had a patient in this week who has been living and working in a good job for the past five years. For some reason, he still has a medical card. And every year, he comes home, from, uh, obviously from Canada, he said, mentioned to the bottom here, for Christmas, and goes to his dentist to claim his entitlements. He knows he is not entitled to his dental PRSI entitlements, so why is he entitled to a medical card? He is not a tax-paying citizen of Ireland. No history of medical illness, etc. I am the same age as him, treating him, paying my taxes, which adds insult to injury. Can someone tell me how this happens? And this is the problem. There's a whole mess going on there where there's a lot of people getting medical cards who probably shouldn't have them. Niall, the, the recent figures, I had a meeting with the HSE um, just prior to Christmas. And uh, off the top of my head, round about 2.2 million medical cards in this country. Um, there needs to be an audit done. The, I question some people's uh, automatic entitlement to a medical card and others like myself, uh, we don't have an entitlement at all unless you're dying. And even then you have to be dying yeah. you know, within a certain time frame. Uh, I think that's wrong. I'm actually, I'm really uncomfortable with you even saying that, John. Every time you say that to me, you've said that to me twice, and I feel really uncomfortable listening to you say that. that that's, you, that's, you, that's the way it is. I mean, if you're not, yeah. if you're not yeah. dead within two years, you do not have an automatic entitlement to a medical card based on a, a terminal illness in this country. 
And uh, that's absolutely shocking. It used to be 12 months. Thankfully, it's now two years. But what we want is that two years, what I want is that two years scrapped. And an automatic entitlement, full stop, if you have a terminal illness, that is a, it's a realistic and... Uh, I mean, terminal diagnosis could be, twi- could be 20 years. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, you don't know. I mean, I know doctors out there who will tell you that somebody gets a terminal diagnosis. They say, well, I don't know. The person could live for two years. They could live for 20. I know somebody who got a terminal diagnosis for six months and lived 26 years. Well, thankfully. let's sit down and have that conversation. Yeah. Uh, do I think two years is appropriate? No, I think that should be increased because even to get in writing that you'll be dead within two years is extraordinarily difficult, yet that's a prerequisite uh, in order to gain access to the medical card in the first instance if, you're, if you have a terminal illness. Uh, although we've made strides, uh, there's a long way to go in this. And um, conversations are being had in the background, and I do believe change will come. But, it, you know, it, should, it, shouldn't take, it shouldn't take patient advocacy to initiate change. That should come from within. Uh, it should come from, you know, government officials themselves, who promises uh, the earth, the moon, and the stars when they're looking for a seat, and then all of a sudden things take a, take a back seat uh, after election time, and it'll come to the fore again, no doubt, the next election. Mm-hmm. And that's the way politics works. Okay, I understand that, but it, it shouldn't take uh, advocacy. It shouldn't take um, people like myself and a lot of others besides, uh, you know, shouting loudly and exposing elements of the system in order to initiate change. Um, you know, that, that change could easily happen with dialogue in the background, which, as I said, is beginning to happen, but very, very, very slowly. And in the meantime, you have patients out there that are dealing with extraordinarily difficult circumstances mentally and physically, and along with the financial burden, then on top of that, it's unacceptable. I mean, it is unacceptable when you see the HSC, as we mentioned already, the amount of money that's been wasted in different quarters, uh, and certainly not on the men and women on the front line who are working hard, by the way. But the HSC has spent over four million on debt collecting agencies since 2013, which is not a long time, by the way, it's only seven and a half years or eight years. I mean, four million they've spent. Uh, trying to collect money uh, of people who are clearly don't, don't don't have it because if they have they would have paid it you know people who are dying most likely who shocking. thinks who thinks that's okay in some office somewhere somebody has made a decision in a, you mentioned there within 30 something days that's you, a, that's 37 days altogether 37 days yeah. Niall, that's in no you couldn't it cannot be justified but somebody has and you know, the mindset of somebody that makes a decision like that, you really got to question their suitability. Is it all about money? Is it all about bookkeeping, balancing the books? Or even, you know, is it an attempt to bring more money in? in it reminds you of that, that, that kind of story, and I don't know whether it's an urban myth or not, but in America, you know, if you get run over by a car, the first thing the ambulance will do is search your pockets for a credit card. And it kind of reminds me of that story. I don't think that's true, by the way. I think it's a bit of an urban myth. I think they do have a public health system, and if you are in an accident, they will look after you. They may go after you for a bill afterwards, but they will look after you. Nobody's going to die on the side of the street with no money. But in saying that, it does remind me of that story, that unless you have the money, you know, yeah, yeah, well, the money buys your health, essentially. There's a word that hasn't been mentioned in quite some time, and it's slauncher care. Universal health care for all. The tenet upon which successive governments have been elected for years and years and years. And it's not even been discussed anymore. It's not been talked about anymore. Slauncher care is, is an incredibly important thing for every citizen in this country, past, present, and into the future. It's, it's, it's what, it's what they, our public health care system is built on at the moment, and yeah. yet we're hearing stories um, that contradicts it in every way, shape, and form. The principle of sending debt collectors to somebody um, at an extraordinary difficult time in their lives. Who may have a terminal illness. Absolutely. Yeah. But whether they do or whether they don't, 
there are appropriate ways of dealing with something like that. And it's certainly, I mean, you know, even the multinationals don't send in the debt collection agencies and you could be, you know, several months or a year plus if you haven't paid, um, you know, even a relatively small bill. There's a process you go through before debt collection agencies are sent in. But, I mean, they don't wait very long. They say a reminder is sent within 30 days after which a third-party referral notice to a debt collection agency is sent. In other words, they sell the debt. And, and just to remind you again, I mentioned at the very start of the conversation, that at the flick of a pen today, Ireland is set to purchase 90 million worth of COVID antiviral pills, uh, which could be a game-changer. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm saying this is quite a good thing, right? But I'm saying that there's more people die of cancer, stroke and heart disease than COVID-19 every single day. And so, the, the, what we're looking for here in terms of whether it be uh, any... Uh, charges, uh, or whether it be um, medical care to increase the threshold for medical, it's it's peanuts by comparison. Peanuts. You look at, mm-hmm. you, you talk about expenditure. Uh, what about the ventilators that were uh, purchased um, last year by the HSE that were never used? There were millions and millions paid for ventilators that were deemed um, mm-hmm. they're not worthy for. Or they didn't. They, didn't, they, didn't pass, they weren't approved. Yes, yes. They weren't approved. So God only knows. They're sitting in, in some storage facility somewhere that's probably been paid for as well by the by the uh, taxpayer. And but, but this this is what I've been saying for the last two years that unless and, and again I'm not minimising the people who have passed away from COVID nineteen and the people who've been ill from it, but unless it's COVID nineteen, nothing matters anymore. That just seems to be the way it is. You know what I mean? And I'm reading the headline here. It's just it's just literally come out there in the Irish Daily Mirror here now. Ireland set to purchase ninety million worth of COVID antiviral pills, which could be a game changer. Now this was requested by Stephen Donnelly this morning, and Michal Martin has just announced it now. So at the flick of a pen, in one day, they can make a decision to spend ninety million on something that is not going to kill as many people who will die of cancer or heart disease every single day. And, I... and it's the ease at which uh, money can be allocated to, to something when uh, it involves COVID. Uh, in recent years, that has been the case, and whilst everything else has taken a back seat. And, uh, OK, you know, we've dealt with COVID. We are now dealing with it. But we must not forget that there are so many other issues, uh, health issues, that people mm-hmm. are dealing with as Absolutely. well. Uh, and, you know... In, there are a lot of terminal patients out there, far more that will die from a terminal illness than will die from COVID this year. They must not be forgotten. They must be dealt with uh, with compassion by uh, a system that supposedly is a compassionate system. The people in it, yes, doctors, nurses, frontline healthcare workers, they have been fantastic and are fantastic. They're amazing. This is about you know, the, the upper tiers of our system where there's no transparency, there's certainly no accountability. Okay, well, listen, John, I'm running out of time and I do appreciate you coming on the air again and I, and I do wish you well. I, I know, obviously, things are not good for you, but I do wish you well. Things are going well at the moment, so long may right. that last. And thank you very much for the, right. uh, for the time, I'll Take care. All right, John, thank you very much indeed. There you go, John Wall, by the way, you can, I've put a link up to his Twitter account and my Twitter account there. You can follow him on Twitter. What a great guy, what a great campaigner. Uh, unfortunately, came to a point where he had to be diagnosed as well. Uh, to understand or have an understanding of what is wrong with the system. And the system is very wrong. It is very wrong when you see that headline. And I, again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing that Ireland is set to purchase 90 million worth of COVID antiviral pills, which could be a game changer. It'll stop people getting seriously ill from COVID-19, which thankfully will get us all back to some level of normality again and maybe put an end to all this madness over the last two years. But in saying that, if we can, at the flick of a pen in one day, because this was requested this morning by Stephen Donnelly, we can spend 90 million on something that won't kill as many people that have cancer and heart disease in this country. And yet, the people with cancer, diagnosed with terminal illness, are being given bills by debt-collecting agencies. My God, what sort of country are we living in? Maria, 
You're in Ireland's Hi, Classic Kids. Hi, Niall. How are you? How are you doing? Uh, now, I'm very good. Your sister, Susan, Susan uh, died two years ago from cancer. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very mm-hmm. sorry to hear that. My condolences okay, to you and your you. family. Um, and w- when was she diagnosed? How long before the two years was she diagnosed? She was roughly about six months. And what it was is that it took a while for it to be seen. So she had to go through different procedures, you know, to, to mm-hmm. before it was discovered. Yeah. But like, it's just going back to this. First of all, can I say, Don, in fairness to him, oh my God, like the, the amount of energy it takes for that man like, no one realises it until they're stuck in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. I really, really, he, he's absolutely brilliant. Just keep on going the yeah. way he's going. And he is. He's, a, he's a great advocate he, and great campaigner. He is brilliant. Yeah. But anyway, but going back to my sister, um, she was diagnosed and it was stage four when it came to it. But we're going to the medical card part of it. You know, she lost her job then, obviously, because she was out sick. Her sick leave was gone. And... Uh, we tried to get a medical card and they refused it first of all and then we had to go back again and they looked for reports and we had to get this report, that report. Now she was lucky because she had her family and she had her relatives who fought for her but to see her sitting there crying like bills that were coming in the door you know because of treatment like say for example if you have to go like for your chemotherapy. You sit in a seat for the day, you get your chemotherapy, but it's classed as you taking up a bed. Yeah, the day so you're charged. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you go into admissions and you pay your 80 euros. That bill then practically comes out straight away. So you're sitting there, you know, with your diagnosis, with your treatment, you're not well, you know, you're, you're the after effects of your treatment and then the bill comes in and you're told like that you have to pay this bill straight away or a debt collector will come out looking. You know, the emotion... That's shocking, that's shocking, isn't it? Plus, you've lost your, you know, your job, you're out sick, you have to pay your mortgage, you have to pay your bills. You know, no one realises it, Niall, until they're stuck in the middle of it. But you wouldn't even be in the mindset to be understanding all that. I can only imagine. Yeah, you can imagine if you didn't have a family unit to take up the mantle for you to fight this because you haven't got the energy to do it yourself. Yeah. And plus your head is all over the place. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to focus on it even. No, no. No, no. So it's just so, so... It's it, it's cruel. It's cruel, and that's what I would describe no, it. No, it is. It's, I mean, look, in you know, this is 2022. I hate to use that cliche, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a new cliche for this year. But I mean, it is a cliche. But in saying that, we shouldn't be in a situation where people who are literally dying, literally yes. dying, are yes. being given bills by the state. Yes. To try yes, to make plus, them better. Say, for example, you know, she needed Walker because, like, her footing was kind of gone, but she needed, um, she needed a, a wheelchair. No, eventually we did get the, the medical card, okay, after fighting and getting all the reports, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But you can imagine if we had to pay for all that. She had to pay. She couldn't afford to pay for it. You yeah. know, if we had to pay for all that, you can imagine, like, how much a Walker cost, how much a wheelchair cost. You're hundreds of euros. Yeah. Like, where do you get the money for these things to help you at the end of your life? Yeah. You know, it's just cruel. But on the opposite side then, I would have seen the other side of it, where my husband was diagnosed in 2002. And what it was is that there you were granted, once the word cancer came up, you were granted this medical card straight away. Yeah. The medical card just came in the post. Your doctor just sent the letters or wherever he sent them to, and the HSE sent you out this medical card. But it was like gold, Niall. Yeah. To get this medical We didn't have to fight for it. I don't understand, 
like say from like in a couple of years what what's changed? changed yeah what's actually yeah. changed Exactly. I mean, once was mentioned cancer, and I mean, look, look, look. And that that should be it. Once a yeah. doctor can qualify it, and there's your GP, obviously, mm-hmm. who, who takes care of you, you mm-hmm. know, and gets referral mm-hmm. letters from your oncologist or whatever it happens mm-hmm. to be. And once he sends a letter to HSA saying this person has cancer, no matter whether it's terminal or not, exactly, that, you, you should get your medical card. Now, exactly. if if you go into remission two years later, or after all your treatments mm-hmm. and everything is grand, yes, the medical card can be taken away because you don't need treatment anymore. That's fair enough. I understand that. Yes, but you see what happens then too as well. Once you go through your treatment then now, you see, you're going back to the hospital like every three months. You're going back to the hospital then like after a year or two, every six months. Yeah. You know, it's still... Well, those visits should be free. You shouldn't have to pay for exactly. all that. Yes. Exactly. That is my... It takes all the burden off you like to get this in the door. You yeah. know, like once it's mentioned cancer, like it, you're, you're automatically you should qualify for a medical card. So the other side of it, like, but I, as I said, just going back to her sitting there crying, how am I going to pay these bills? You know, it's shocking. No, it is. It is. And something needs to be done. And I hope, by the way, at at the end, Maria, her passing was Mm -hmm. fairly peaceful in the end. Um, Mm -hmm. And I hope it wasn't too difficult for you and your family. But Do you know what I have to say, you know, on, on the other side, but I know I'm going off topic. The nurses, the district nurses, the, the you know the daffodil nurses, the Marymount nurses—they were absolutely brilliant. Mm. Like this is another well, pet are. peeve of they mine. Are. This is another pet peeve. I know I'm going off topic now. You know, say when a cancer patient is sick, like you know, like their only alternative, like sometimes, is to go into like hospital to be treated. Yeah. But where do they go? Into the A&E side of the hospital. Yeah. I think it's wrong. Like these patients, like should be kind of brought straight into the ward or brought to a different hospital like the likes of a hospice where they can be treated as well, you know? Because a lot of them, of course, their their immune systems would be shot. Desperate. Uh, and, you know, and you're going into an A&E department, hopefully when COVID is finished and we get back yeah. to some level of normality, you're going into an A&E department with people coughing and splurting all over the place and exactly. that's the last place you want to be. And I get, I understand exactly. that. But listen, well yeah. said. Thank you very much, Maria. And, and, and have a happy thank new you year. Thank you for bringing and up the tough topic and yeah. thanks to John as well. Okay. Thank you. All right, see bye you. Bye. bye, bye, bye. Derek, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you? Not a bad Noel, how are you? Good. Now, your wife passed away in September. My condolences to you, by the way, only last year, so it's it's not too long ago. In, yeah, in 2020, you. yeah. Sorry. Um, it would yeah. be sorry, a year and a half ago. I do apologise. Um, yeah. so, uh, but time, time, they say, is a good healer, but I'm sure you're sick of people saying that to you. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't get any easier. No, I think that's more of a myth, I think, than anything. Um, yeah. I think, I think just learn to, to, to deal with it and just, just move forward. But it's, you know, I think anyone who's lost somebody can relate, you know. Well, you've been you've been listening to, to Maria and John before the break there in the Irish Cancer Society before that talking about this debt collecting, I suppose yeah. of you know taking basically sending bills to people who are literally on their deathbed. Um, something has to change. Yeah, well, look, I'm I'm kind of still blown away that it's going on because we would have been in the same boat like back in 2017 mm-hmm. when Holly started her, her her cancer treatment, and you know obviously because you're 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 an outpatient. Um, they bill you each time, obviously, to get you in and out quick and stuff. But again, it you know the bills rack up fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of at the time, I was kind of quite furious about it. You know, as in the way I looked at it, and um, was well, you know, somebody's going through cancer. They should it. You shouldn't be paying for it. No, of course though, not. You know, even know the fact that you know the idea is to get you in as an outpatient, get the chemotherapy or your treatment, and you suppose get you home so you're not staying in hospital for the whole yeah the whole length of it. But um, I just, you know, you kind of look at the amount. I wasn't of even aware. I wasn't aware of this, Derek. I, I mean, I knew they had a one hundred euro charge for for A and E, and 
the purpose of that charge was always to stop time wasting, right? Pe- you know, people yeah. go into it, you know, if a sore toe, you could have gone to your GP, you know? And that was the purpose of that that charge. Uh, and the same goes for the, the 80 euro overnight. Again, I wasn't aware that that was being charged by people who were actually genuinely uh, extremely ill. I wasn't, uh, I just think it's ridiculous that people are being charged in the public health system that kind of money. Yeah, like, you know, you're, you're paying into the system in any way through, through your taxation. So, like, especially when you're going through you know, when you're going through cancer, your 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 whole your whole mind frame is, "Am I going to survive this?" And you know, then you're dealing with everything. Especially, you know, you know, Holly lost her hair and everything after. I know, I know. And then there was the cost of maybe a wig as well, if she needed to get a wig or whatever it was she needed to get. I don't know whether she did or not at the time. So, I mean, those kind of costs that people incur are quite expensive. Yeah, like it it, it does. Build up. And then obviously, if they're just going to obviously outsource it to a debt debt collection, you know, and, and a lot of them people are ruthless as well about how mm. to go and do it. Yeah. They're just seeing you as a number and they want their they want the money because they, they get a percentage. Well they but um, they buy the way they work is they sell the debt to them. So the H I'm assuming it's the same as any other company, the HSC will sell the debt. So if it's a debt of say a hundred quid, they'll sell it to a debt collection agency for fifty or seventy or whatever it is, in the hope that they'll get it back so they take a bit of a hit on it. But so they they usually sell their debts. You know? Yeah. But right. to me, you know, to me, like you, you, look at, but you look at the last, I suppose, the last two years with everything that's that's been going on with with COVID and all the the different legislations that's come in, you know, like closed pubs down at eight o'clock and so forth, and out you go. Mm. You know, it's all done at a stroke of a pen. But yet, when it comes to something that's really affecting people, that nobody does anything. Nobody wants to to, to pull the finger out and go. You know what? That's this needs to change. Yeah. Yeah. We and let's just do it now. Let's put through the red tape. That's, what, let's I, that's do it. what I said to John before the break. I, at the flick of a pen today, we spent ninety million on tablets. That okay. You know, could save somebody's life with COVID nineteen. Uh, and you know, and but more people die from other things than COVID nineteen. And we have to start remembering that and going back to that again. You know, and that you know the, the very idea that you would charge somebody. Uh, you know, fees for treatment while they're they're terminally diagnosed with cancer. It's just shocking. Yeah. <laughs> I just now, can't understand it. Now, I, I know when, look, if you if, if you do, eventually we qualified um, for the, the medical care. So yeah. that, you know, that whatever you've racked up gets written off because it's yeah. backdated. But if you don't get the medical card, you, you still have that bill. And like, I, I'm kind of looking at, you know, like, I remember there was one of the big scans um, Holly had to get done to see if it, where it had spread. And they're like, well, we don't know if we're going to get this done anytime soon. And you know, this was back in 2017. And then we managed to get the right person on the right day and got us in, you know. So you're looking at getting dragged out. I can only imagine what it's like now mm. with, yeah. with everyone being oh. held back. And, and, I, w- and I, would ha- I would hate to think, and look, I'm not even going to try, and nobody ever tries at this stage to calculate or quantify, uh, you know, the life-changing effects that COVID has had, 19 has had on people with non-COVID illnesses, if you know what I mean, and you no know, lack of early diagnosis, etc., etc. Uh, Derek, I wish you well, uh, and thank you very much indeed for coming on the air and sharing that with us today, and and we'll all be thinking of Holly. All right. Thank Thanks, you. Well, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you too. Uh, let me go to Elaine, or just finally, Elaine manages MAB services in Clare and Limerick. Elaine, I've only got a few minutes, but a lot of people te- texting in. I'm sorry I've run short of time today, but a lot of people texting in that if you mm. find yourself in this situation where you don't qualify for a medical card, you don't have money for private health insurance, and you're being landed bills and letters from a debt collection agency while you're dying of terminal cancer, mm. I mean, what are you supposed to do? It's dreadful, isn't it? And I suppose so many of us in our private lives have experienced cancer and how it's impacted our families and we understand the emotional impact that has. It takes over your whole life. So you're then trying to manage 
a debt collection agency or even dealing with your mortgage company or credit card company at the best of times people don't know how to handle those situations and you know it's just so great when they come to an organization with maps they can just push it over the table to us and we'll look after it okay so they'll and they'll, handle everything so in other words they might have to reduce their hours and work they might have to give up work exactly uh, yeah. And, and, oh, yeah and they still have a mortgage they still have yep. a car to pay for they mm-hmm. still have their bills they pay for their t- electricity and gas and everything else to come in the door yep. and have to manage that maybe on one income if two people were working yep. in a house possibly and maybe not manage it at all so what we do is we intervene as an authorised third party. So we then become the um, the communication channel, if you like. So those letters and calls being made to that individual stop. Mm. And they come into this office here. Now, I have to say, one of the most difficult um, debts to get written off in its entirety is the debt owed to the hospital. So in we other words, get, you, in other words, you can deal with mortgages in the bank. Yeah. You can deal with yeah, you yeah. Know, the, the car rent, the car leasing companies, or whatever yeah. it is, mm-hmm. the PCP or whatever payment yeah. they're paying on one month. And you can yeah. deal with all those people. They're yeah. all very understanding. Yeah. But the one people, the one men, people they're meant to be understanding, which is the hospital. Yeah. You can't. They, you're finding it difficult to deal with them. Very difficult, and especially when it goes to those debt collection agencies, because they're just saying this oh my. is not a debt that can be written off. Yeah. Oh my. Um, but we can at least, you know, we can at least intervene and stop the letters and calls going directly to the. You know, the person affected but themselves. I, I, I hate to say more. this. Like, this sounds very extremely morbid and you'd be more familiar with it. Yeah. Like, what happens when the person dies? And and if they mm. do die, and yeah, the, there's and a death there's a death there of, say, 800 quid because that's they capped off at 800 quid yeah. under the public system. So who pays the money? Well, you know, it, it's, it's like any other debt at that point. Then it, it becomes um, a debt owed by the estate of the deceased. So if the money isn't there to pay that debt, it has to get written off. Right, okay. and, and in general... There's other debts that are a higher priority, like a mortgage or a secured debt that get paid off first if there's any money left. But it will get taken um, out of the estate. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah it will. Um, but well, say, look, the advice is, I, I'm sorry we're out of time, yeah, Elaine, you've no been problem. wonderful and, and, and you do wonderful work for people. I know you do. Thank so you. if anybody Thank finds themselves... Anybody yeah. finds themselves in any situation Please like that, yeah, yeah, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, there go is. to MABS. Yeah. All yeah, right. thanks, man. Alright, thank you very much okay. indeed. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.